please start the episode with Billy Mays here for Team Chat Podcast. See, but it's subbing not gonna, in for Jared. It's not going to be good enough. So and here's what I've been actually thinking outfit. of doing. Uh, because you know, I like doing impressions. I would, I think it would be a fun thing. I would it, like bucketless gold do a, a voice for somebody someday. And I've been working on my Overwatch ones. And I've been thinking of like doing like Winston's intro video to Overwatch, like the opening cinematic, and like doing a side by side of like Winston doing it and then me, but me like actually doing his voice. Because I feel like that'd be fun. That would be really fun. I keep thinking I have a fairly decent junk rat too, but then I actually hear the junk junk rat. rat. Uh, Let me think. What's a good one? Uh, Say, um, how about his, my ultimate is almost ready. Or even my ultimate is ready. Rip Tire is ready. Rip Tire, ready to roll. Okay, that was pretty good. All right. See, so you got those different things, or the, or the oodly doodly that he said, or tick tock, tick tock. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Nice. All that different stuff. But then I heard a, uh, his voice actor and Sombra's voice actor were like hanging out together, and she like kept feeding him lines to do, and he just kept being like throwing them off, and I was like, oh, never be that good. <laughs> But the Winston, yeah, it's rough. But like, I could definitely looking, do Winston pretty well. So I was thinking that'd be kind of fun to like do some different character, like make a little video like doing different characters, especially like video game. That'd ones. be a fun little Patreon thing. It that would we be a fun just, little yeah, thing. Throw it out there. Fun. I can it'd say Genji's fun. need healing. What is it? <laughs> need healing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine day for some mayhem. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson. Joined. To- by Rachel Mogan, and I realize I'm free-balling the new script, and I don't know oh, what I'm no. doing. You're off script, Oh Jared. my god, but in case it's your first time listening, Team Chat Podcast is a weekly video game show where we talk about, obviously, games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. You can subscribe to us. <laughs> I'm going to save it. You can subscribe to the show across podcast services such as iTunes or SoundCloud, as well as our YouTube channel, where you can watch the video version of each episode, as well as listen to the audio channel versions across all those different platforms. Have some thoughts, questions, or suggestions, like why can't the host get the main intro right? Email us at <laughs> teamchatpodcast.gmail.com or find us online at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Finally, we are a completely listener-supported show, so if you're enjoying and really loving what you're creating, please check out our Patreon page where you can support the show, and in return, we will give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general Tuesday release in both audio and video format, as well as access to our private Team Chat Podcast Discord server. If not, that's totally fine. We'll keep making the show week after week and bring you great gaming content. Find out more at, te- at patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast. And a special thanks to all of our current patrons who help make Team Chat Podcast possible. You tried so hard to bring it back. <sighs> I did a pretty good job. You tried. You, you did pretty good. You did See, pretty good. So the whole thing about that one, uh, the excuse for today, ladies and gentlemen, is that we, you know, we were just cutting up, having some good pre-show talk and discussion and all that. You know, We got into it, talking about overwatch all the latest things there and just got distracted wasn't ready wasn't ready just straight up throwing. i apologize as and they I, say in video games you're throwing i did i threw that intro bad and i apologize <laughs> and i will come back next time ready and with a polished introduction so this polished. will never happen again i am so sorry from the deepest i don't think you should say heart. never <laughs> that's, that's that's the promise of today <laughs> that's the promise of today the promise of today wow. is never again <laughs> but as I said, here we are again, ready with a new uh, with a new topic for all of you today on a great game and content. Now, the one thing about this, we are having to record this episode like two weeks before, well, I mean two weeks before today, pretty much, because Mogan and I both have some travel coming up for work that we can't get around and it's going to make uh, 
was going to make our new normal schedule pretty hard to keep up. So we're having to pre-record. So because of that, we don't really have the normal moment with Mogan with like full list of upcoming releases and other, and other timely redundant. news. It would be super redundant. And the only other big thing that I can think of, which actually, let's go ahead and get into the topic then before I share this other bit of news, uh, because this is going to play into our conversation a little bit here. But we did have, today's topic is brought to us from one of our patrons, Ark. So, Arky Sharky, my fave Canadian, uh, she sent us in a request on our show topics channel on our private team chat Discord server, which you too can join if you become a Patreon patron of the show. At any level. Uh, and she wanted to know question for the podcast. Mm-hmm. We're is, listening. Also, just you know, you can also send us a, a topic thing through. All the yeah. other methods, yeah. but the most convenient <laughs> way is we'll see it the fastest. Di- we'll the see it the fastest in the Discord. Uh, so she asks, "Is it a good direction for games to simply take an old game and keep it mostly the same while raising the quality of the graphics, or would you like games to branch out and try new things?" So essentially, what she's asking is, for example. Spyro, Mm -hmm. with the amount of time and effort they are putting into trying to revamp it, they could make a whole new Spyro game that would continue the franchise. She goes on to say, I am both a fan of recreating the old Spyro games and also for making brand new ones. So I'm not leaning in either direction for clear preference. She's just asking, does nostalgia benefit the gaming industry as a whole, and does it potentially hold them back in creating new games? First of all, fantastic question. Yeah. I really like this question a lot, and it's very timely. And she mentioned Spyro in particular, because if you've been watching video game news, and if you've been keeping up with the show, they did fairly recently, it would be a couple of weeks by now, but recently they did announce that a Spyro trilogy full remake, similar to the Spyro Crash Bandicoot. Spyro Reignited trilogy. Exactly. Very similar to the uh, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy remake. This is a new, just cut and dry remake of the original Spyro trilogy. Yep. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to kind of a lot to unpack there. And for people who have listened from the beginning, we have talked about remakes and remasters a little bit before on the show. But, but it God, was like that was way a long back time like ago. Episode twenty or something. That was, like a, that. That was so, even before the Crash remake. Yeah. So it would have been a hell of a I think long time ago. What talked to, what brought it up then is that I was excited about the Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare Remastered that Which been just announced. sounds quaint by now. Yeah, I mean, was, <laughs> that's old kidding. news. I'm just burning you. <laughs> um, but anyway, so here's the thing about this. So, okay, so what we're, let's take this one by one. What was her first question, really? So her first question was really... I was having to look up some yeah, things. So essentially her first question was, do you feel that there is greater value? And forgive me, Ark, if I'm like paraphrasing too much, but from what I gained from her first question was... Do you feel that there is more value in remaking an old series, cut and dry, just remaking it, updating all the gameplay, updating the graphics, making it playable in the modern age, essentially, versus that same studio producing a new game of the same franchise? Okay, okay, okay. So let's say instead that they weren't remaking the original Spyro trilogy, that instead they were coming out with a totally new Spyro... 15.0. 15.0. I don't know. Yep. I don't know what that would be called. Spyro Returns or something like that. Let's say they were making a brand new Spyro game as opposed to reinventing. Not even reinventing, just, just re- remaking. Ma- remaking. Yeah, just remaking kind of stuff, yeah. the original Spyro trilogy. So her first question is really, which do you feel is better? Which do you feel adds more value to the gaming industry? So, for me... 
It's a hard question. It is a hard question. Yeah. Because you do have to look at it then is that, okay, I played Spyro growing up. I really love Spyro. This is hypothetical. I actually missed out on Spyro. So I'm actually very excited for the Spyro trilogy to come out, which is kind of an argument. Yeah, you should be excited. It's an amazing game. Which is an argument for this topic of why it's important that, like, I think it's it's a... it's an okay thing for developers to do. The nice thing is about this, and the part of, and the part of the thing about it where I think it's okay, where it's not, I don't necessarily feel like the developers are wasting time with it, is that usually the whenever a remake remaster is handled, it's not the original developer who goes back and does it. For instance, with Spyro, for example, uh, it was original. The original Spyro games were done by Insomniac. Exactly. This one was done by Toys for Bob. Yes. So a completely different studio. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus was yeah. was uh, its remake was done by Bluepoint, actually here in Austin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so it's normally never done by the same studio. So I think because of that, you have a little bit more leeway with it, where it's it's not the main. It's not like Rockstar coming out and, and like remaking or remastering, you know, something in their own time where they could be like they're not remastering Grand Theft Auto Four when they could be working on Grand Theft Auto Six kind of thing. You know, it's a little bit different. <laughs> In that regard, I feel like. But honestly, I like that it's happening. And I think, I feel like at one point, though, I was a little, uh, like when it first started kind of coming out, I don't know. I feel like I my mind somewhat changed on this topic a little bit because I I think because probably just ignorance on the t- on the issue, really, of thinking that it was like taking away from the developer time. But as long as it's not and they're giving it to another developer, I don't really have an issue with it. And there is some peripheral things, at least in the case of the Spyro series, that you do need to keep in mind. Uh, This would have been, I don't even know what episode. Oh, maybe it was the one where we talked about best in the series. Oh, yeah. And I think I picked either Spyro 2 or 3. They're all so good. Who who knows which is actually the best one. And now I'll get to play all three again and make a totally new decision. Uh, But we talked about it then, that the original Spyro trilogy, which is 1, 2, and 3, those were indeed produced and developed by Insomniac Games. Mm -hmm. After that... Insomniac gave up the rights to Spyro, and there were indeed additional sequels that came out in under the Spyro name. They were new yeah. Spyro games that I were made this. by a different studio. And in comparison to the original trilogy, they were literal like garbage fires. They were trash. <laughs> they were not good games. Like in brutal terms, those games were not good. So in this particular case, I absolutely agree that a remake of the original Spyro trilogy is at least the most viable option. Because in theory, yes, another studio could take back up the Spyro name and the Spyro brand Mm -hmm. and make a new game with that. However, it likely would not preserve a lot of what made the original trilogy so good when it was in the hands of Insomniac. Yeah. And as far as I know, if I'm not mistaken, Insomniac Games isn't even around anymore. No, it is. Uh, it, are you sure? Oh, yeah. Because I think a lot of their original people may have branched off the and ones gone to the new different... Oh, are they making the new Spider-Man? Yeah. That's crazy. Insomniac's still That's definitely... That's literally Insomniac's crazy. definitely around. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm not sure if they're... Um, if the people that worked on the original Spyro are still part of Insomniac Games. For all I know, they could be. Right. But the point is, Insomniac basically washed their hands of Spyro. They said, hey, we feel like we've taken the series as far as we can go with 1, 2, and 3. We're giving up the rights to it to somebody else. And when they did that, the series blatantly went downhill. It did not gain value when it changed hands. So I feel like in this particular case, specifically for Spyro, a remake 
is one of the best things that could happen Mm -hmm. because it brings Spyro, which was a PlayStation 1 era game, which many people, yourself included, and anyone else that didn't own a PlayStation 1, anyone that wasn't around at that time, they could have absolutely missed out on one of the best platforming series that a lot of gamers my age and older love. Well, and see, I think I had a friend growing up who had a a PS1, and I maybe have played... 15 minutes of Spyro. And it's it was, not enough minutes, No, it's bro. not. And it was enough where it was like, I don't even, oh man, the camera, we did so much Aww. pre-show, the camera, look, about to re- We blabbed restarted. too much. We did. Um, so hopefully that wasn't on a black screen for too long. But, uh, so I had a friend who play, who had it in like, it was, I maybe played like 10, 15 minutes on it and it was enough where it's like, and it was in the middle of the game so I didn't even have like the learning stuff so I just remember being very confused about what I was doing. I know it's a platformer and those are usually pretty easy to pick up but I mean also at that time would have been what, eight, nine years old. Yeah. So it was, you know, not quite as skilled at picking up a game and playing as I am today. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And so now you're hard mode guy. Exactly. Every game all the time. Every game. Um, Spyro oh, that's, has that's no That's biting me in the ass in Far Cry 5. I will say I am dying so much. Sucker, you <laughs> should be playing on easy mode. Uh, but anyway, so I, for that reason, I think these are great. They provide a good, I was actually listening today to the episode of uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily. And they, the two hosts that were on there, Jared Petty and Andrea Renee, they were talking about... Wait, there's another Jared out there? Jared. Oh, okay, I'm never Jared. mind. Never mind. That's okay. J-E-R-R-E-T-D. I was about to sue that other guy for libel or something. No, he's a sweet man. He's a sweet man. He's, he seems like a very kind individual. I'd love to meet him someday. But they were talking about it because the part of news that I was going to talk about that I was bringing up is as of today or a couple days ago, yesterday, I believe, when it was actually officially announced, is that they were releasing patches for... Red Dead Redemption for bet for Xbox One X enhanced oh. stuff. So it's a different, this is a different way and kind of leads into the conversation a little bit because now Xbox's backwards compatibility is becoming a big thing in the market. And I know we've, we've talked about this with Microsoft. What's Microsoft doing? What's their plan? They are setting themselves as the a stage very much being this like almost a preservation tool of these older games because now, you know, Red Dead Redemption came out for the Xbox 360 had a had a native resolution of 720p. Now it's you can play it in 4K. Oh, that's only, impressive. And you only have to have the Xbox 360 disc. You slip it inside your, your Xbox One X, it in, downloads and installs it onto your Xbox One X and then has the upgrades. So that is a major point, point for, Xbox. for Xbox. Now the Oh, yeah, they're now, up to 10. Look at that. I know, that. look at that. They're growing. They're only 10 behind Sony. <laughs> <laughs> but Burn. So, so what they were saying, what Jared was saying, is that how much that, because they did this for uh, Red Dead Redemption, but they also did it for a lot of original Xbox titles, like, uh, or in, in some X, more Xbox 360 titles, like uh, KOTOR, Knights of Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, and a few others that I'm now forgetting. But the thing is now is this, is and with Spyro, it's now ushering this in and preserving these older games for people to be able to play. Now, granted, there is a slight difference, whereas these ones coming out for the backwards compatibility are just remasters. You know, because again, we have to distinguish the difference between right. remaster, remake. Remaster is they pretty much update the graphics, slap a new render, maybe throw it through a new engine so it looks a little cleaner, has a little bit more detail, but the core gameplay and everything about it is the same. Remake is with Spyro, you know, it's completely different. Like the, you know, it, in the terms of what the graphical quality is like, they didn't just slap a new shiny skin on it. Like they completely redid the character models. They're rebuilding. Everything. You can only upgrade PS one graphics so, so much. Exactly. <laughs> no, they basically like took the original game and just kind of like 
put them side by side. This is obviously not true, you guys. This is just a, like a reimagining of how it works. And they were like, okay, now we'll draw the new Spyro. <laughs> yeah. And, but so it's, so it's all these different things. So that's the thing with the remake. So like uh, another good example of it, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, it's a remake. It's a remake, ground up remake. Uh, from the original Ratchet and Clank, and what and I was watching a video on this today about uh, from Gamer Ranks, and or Game Ranks, and it was saying that you know it's the same. A lot of the levels are the same. Other levels are in the new one are bigger, different. Uh, it also incorporates a lot of things from the other games in the series into this one. So things you may have grown to know and love from the later iterations of the series are now also present in this one in the reimagining. So that's what kind of like builds it together to make it a remake. So remaster basically quality improvements remake is quality improvements, but then also added in new features, additions, uh, character models, all that other stuff. See, I feel like now we might actually be getting into territory where I don't 100% agree with those categorizations because you mentioned Ratchet and Clank, Mm -hmm. and that's something that is, I feel, in its own category because the Ratchet and Clank for PS4 is technically what I would consider a new third category of a reimagined game. Yeah. Because what really happened is it's not a remake of the original Ratchet and Clank game. It's a game based on the movie of Ratchet and Clank based on the game. game. Right. So it has, so it has this, like these different Yeah, it has this crazy yeah, get, additional layer to it, and that really added to make what is... In essence, and in soul, you could potentially argue that it is a successor, like a true successor to the Ratchet and Clank series, but it's not. I don't. I don't think I would say that it's an actual remake of the original Ratchet right. and Clank. Yeah, because it's it a new this, game. Yeah, it is this new third category of a reimagined part yeah. of that series, which I think may have kind of been where Ark was going with her question, uh, basically saying, "Hey, do you think new IPs in a series add more value than remakes do?" And I'm gonna go kind of wildly left field here and say words that some people might really disagree with. Okay. So my argument is... Real quick. Yes. Can I... I don't think I ever... I followed... I closed up my argument real quick. Finish your argument. So basically the whole thing about it is that what's nice about what these... With what Jared Petty was saying and and, and I agree with him is that doing these remasters or and in some instances the remakes but especially more geared towards remasters that basically take the old game and reskin it and make it look pretty is that it is a great way of preserving these older games. So then we don't have to keep, like, here in my in my room, here in the studio, we have Xbox One, Xbox 360. That is a PlayStation, a PlayStation 1, PlayStation in fact. A PlayStation 3 and a PlayStation 1, a Nintendo 64, uh, you know, the the uh, NES Classic also. This is, you know, this is like all these days, no longer, hopefully soon we're coming to the end of the day where you have to keep a working th- Nintendo 64 around for you to be able to enjoy these old games. And so that was his their argument, and I that I agree with that they're a great way to preserve these older games. Okay, so Yeah, no, they absolutely are. So I would say that I don't, I don't discern a significant difference between values of a remake versus a reimagination because I feel like they are very much targeted towards potentially different audiences. Yeah. So from my perspective, I see remakes, like the remake of the Crash Trilogy and now the incoming remake of the Spyro Trilogy, as being more geared towards that nostalgic audience yeah. like you and me. 
So even though they may gain some new fans who just have never been able, they've never been able to play Spyro before, now's their chance. They may wind up really loving the series, but I genuinely don't believe that that's where they are gearing their marketing towards. Right. I feel like this is very much a remake that is made for people who know and love Spyro and who look at this remake as God's gift to man that now we finally get to play Spyro again, right. but in a better quality format. Whereas I see reimaginations as this totally different subset that I feel is more geared towards being readily available towards a super broad audience mm-hmm. that may or may not have played that original series. Right. And the example that I'm going to go to of this is really kind of one that I just kind of thought up on my own. So you can absolutely fight me. You can fight <laughs> me on this. Uh, I'm going to go on ahead and say that A Link Between Worlds for the mm. Nintendo 3DS is in fact a reimagination of A Link to the Past. Okay. So what I'm basing this on is it absolutely is billed as being a sequel to A Link to the Past. But I don't really think that that is entirely true. I much more see A Link Between Worlds as being a reimagined version of A Link to the Past. Because in the original, A Link to the Past, which was like Nintendo bejesus long ago, it was a SNES game, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah because it's on the, yeah, S- yeah, it's on it's the SNES on the, Classic. Yeah. So now, isn't, isn't it great that you can now just say SNES Classic okay, instead of SNES Classic, which takes so many more words? No, so um, so it was an old SNES game, and A Link to the Past, although absolutely playable and enjoyable in its original format, I actually like bought it from the Wii Shop on my Wii. I bought A Link to the Past on my Wii and played it on like my Wii Mote in the sideways version, (laughs) and got just as much pleasure out of it as I would have playing it on the original console. Yeah, but A Link Between Worlds basically took the map of A Link to the Past and said, okay, we're going to use literally square for square, grid for grid, this exact same map. We're going to take it, and we're going to put it in A Link Between Worlds. Okay. And then we're going to kind of make a new game, just kind of right on this same map. Like, it, like it's not even a joke. They cut and dry. It's legitimately, this is, it's you, legitimately you can just follow map. your same set footsteps. You t- well, they may have changed some of it to actually make it more playable in the present, but it is blatantly the same map from mm. A Link to the Past but in A Link Between Worlds. And one of the big things about A Link to the Past was that you would um, basically shift back and forth between the good dimension, like Hyrule, and the bad dimension, which was where Ganondorf lived, Mm. and it was like super scary. And A Link to the Past, excuse me, A Link Between Worlds, you can see I'm even getting confused. So A Link Between Worlds basically took... Yeah, how do you think (laughs) I feel? So A Link Between Worlds took that concept and fleshed it out. They built more around that concept. So they went and said, okay, we've got this original concept from Link to the Past. We're going to take that and we're going to run with it. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it Hyrule and the new kingdom of low rule, which is like basically the reverse, the negative of Hyrule. So if you were looking at film and you've got the photo and then you've got the negative, low rule is Hyrule's negative. You've got Princess Hilda. She's the negative of Princess Zelda. You've got Ravio, 
Ravi? Oh my God! What is his name? I should be ashamed. Should You've be. got like the the dark dark. I say this very lightly. You've got the dark version of Link, and you basically have these alternate worlds that are absolutely going off of the original concept that a Link to the Past was trying to get across to you. But it does so in such a way that is extremely accessible to brand new audiences. Mm-hmm. Anyone can play A Link Between Worlds without having played A Link to the Past and absolutely have exactly the same quality of experience. You don't need to have played A Link to the Past to be able to enjoy A Link Between Worlds as much as you can, Hmm. which I think for me is the difference. Where I'm seeing the value in games like Spyro, which are remakes, is in fact my nostalgic feelings for the Spyro series. It's that feeling of, I used to sit on the floor right next to my siblings and play these games. And that's where I'm getting a lot of that value from as a person, just as a gamer. Whereas when I played A Link Between Worlds, yes, I had played A Link to the Past before, but not when I was a kid. Yeah. I played it when I was already an adult. So playing A Link Between Worlds, I still got a highly valuable experience in what was essentially brand new packaging. And not just brand new packaging, but a package that had additional, uh, basically, perks built around it. And I feel like that's where you're getting the difference of a reimagination versus a remake. Yeah. And I would say that I probably see the same amount of value in both. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that one is any better or worse than the other. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I'd agree, I would agree with that. It's and it's interesting too because it's like, you know, I think what do I think? Right, it's such a hard topic. I know, it's like, because I, mean, I feel like you could just chase yourself around yeah. in your own head a thousand times before you could come to a decision. I mean, I will say I don't th- I said it before earlier in the episode, like, I don't think they're bad. I think they're good. I think they're great, actually, like, because it does open up. I'm excited for things that I, especially for these older games, because it is this thing of, yeah, you might be, you could tell me till you're blue in the face that Spiral the Dragon is an amazing game and I would love it. But if I sat down. It's you telling me about Red Dead. But if I sat down on a PS1 and played Spyro, I don't think I could get over the graphical quality enough to enjoy it. And I agree. I agree with that. I don't think you would be able to. Because, because I missed out on those nostalgic exactly. things that you did exactly. with, with being able to enjoy the game. So for me, having this ability to come back and replay this in a graphically beautiful way is very appealing. Same, honestly, too, with Crash Bandicoot. I'm just yeah. airing all my dirty gaming laundry in that I missed that series as well. Well, I, I didn't have a PS1. And I feel like in the, at least on. the examples that we're naming, one of the biggest reasons that games like platformers in particular, and really 3D games mm-hmm. as a whole, the reason that they can benefit so much more is that they get a lot more out of a remake in terms of graphical quality right. than, for example, a top-down game like A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. A Link to the Past is that top-down view. It's almost like a side-scroller, and I use that term very liberally, right. just because you're looking down at the map. And by the nature of having that 2D map, as opposed to a fully-fleshed-out 3D world of Crash or the Spyro series you're able to build a lot more detail and a lot more improvement, I think, into the visual quality of games like Spyro and Crash. Bringing those up to date from that 3D format, I think, makes them worlds better. Mm -hmm. Just intensely better. Yeah. Because, I mean, we've said it before on the show, like, 98 to, like, 2003, 
attempts at 3D like graphics and stuff were just ooh, they were questioning they were trying they were trying they were trying was, they were throwing everything that they had it at was it rough. they were trying so it's hard. nice to be able to get those things to get those things back yeah. the one thing that I think and what what kind of spurred the discussion when we talked about this topic before in the past episode was that we were it seemed to be that we were getting all these remasters or HD collections of games that it felt like they had literally just come out and I think that's when we were like what's the deal with this for example the Last of Us. Last of Us came out in 2013, June 2013. And then PS4 came out and they announced Last of Us Remastered. And so, I mean, I bought it. because, And so that was the thing, though. But I think that was stemming from people trying to combat this, the problem of not having backward compatibility in, their, uh, in the console. Right. Well, at the time, like PS4 and Xbox One didn't even have it at that point yet. But PS4, you know, had the... That still doesn't have backwards compatibility. You can buy some older games now in the digital store, but that's not it's not near to the extent of what Xbox is doing. Yeah. And so I think that rush that we saw then at the first couple of years after the change in generation was because people were like, oh, this game did really good. Because like, we had you had Last of Us get remastered. You also then had Grand Theft Auto's five get put onto the Xbox One. Really? GTA five? Mm-hmm. It came out huh. because it came out. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. It in, came out months before PS4 uh, and Xbox oh, One okay. came out. So, so it they, was at the end of the cycle. It was. But then they but then, you know, they are like, okay, well here's GTA, here's GTA five on the PS4 and Xbox One. Hey, by the way, we also threw in this cool like video editor mode, and also you can play it in first person if you want. So they did some like they made it worth your while if you wanted to spend that money. Which again, I did. Uh, and, Jared. <laughs> um, but I mean, The Last of Us made sense. It's a game I love, and I want to be able to. I want to be able to be sure that I always have a playable copy of that game. And that's the thing. I feel like there is such a market for that exact mindset that remakes. I, I feel like even if they don't generate huge dollars for the studios that make them, they are probably generating enough to be worthwhile. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep making them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I looked up on that note, like I looked up how many, how much like the Crash uh, remake uh, sold, and it sold over uh, 3.75 million units Ooh, from VG, nice. VGCharts.com. VGCharts.com. With a Z. With a Z, of course. Uh, so, yeah. I should have known. <laughs> and so, so I mean, it, it's, they get some impressive numbers. I bet Spyro will match, if not exceed. I think Spyro will exceed. Uh, at least in my perspective, Spyro is arguably the more fun and engaging experience. Mm-hmm. Crash is phenomenal, and obviously there's a huge market for Crash Bandicoot, but at least from my perspective, I have met and talked with more people who love and adore Spyro yeah. than I do meet people that are raving about Crash Bandicoot. And that's not a knock against Crash at all. I'm just saying I think there are more people who have, just in sheer terms of sheer quantity, I think there are more people who love Spyro than there was a market for the Crash remake. Yeah. Yeah. And no. I could be totally wrong about that. I there hit, could be like no, Reddit for Crash is like 1.5 million people and Reddit for Spyro is like 0.5 million people. I agree with you though. I hear so many more people just in conversation bring up Spyro and than Crash. Because it deserves it. Spyro I had friends who played amazing. I had friends who played Spyro. I had no friends who played Crash. Burn. <laughs> point point for Spyro. <laughs> make a new Put make it a new, on the list. A new uh, box. <laughs> Spyro and Crash. <laughs> Spyro versus Crash. The age-old competition. Yeah, seriously. And so one thing that we really haven't mentioned about... Heavens to Betsy, sir. I'm sorry. One thing that we really haven't mentioned about these remakes is that, at least in the case of Spyro, 
Originally, Spyro was only for PlayStation. Yeah. The remake is for everything. Except Switch yet. They except haven't said, for, they haven't said Switch. Switch. Which Crash is now coming to Switch. Yeah. So it's likely that they will eventually put it on the Switch, but that means that Microsoft, Sony, and PC users can all experience Spyro now. It legitimately opens up a brand new market exactly. for it. From where then they could be like, hey, Spyro made a crap load of money. How about we make Spyro 4? Yeah. Or whatever iteration it is. And if they if you had to choose done to ignore that, the old ones. If they suck. had done that, maybe there would have been some cross-platforming there. You know, maybe Xbox would have gotten it in addition to Sony. Yeah. But that might not have happened. If they had just made Spyro 4, for example, A, that game has technically already been made, and it was terrible. And B, the accessibility, I think, just would not have been there. No, I don't think, I think so. Yeah. And then, yeah, you would have been locked into an exclusivity and all this other stuff. So, yeah. And it's also worth saying, I think if they had announced Spyro 4 instead of the Spyro Trilogy remake, me as a fan, I would have looked at Spyro 4, not made by Insomniac Games, and I would have said, nope. Yeah. I automatically well, would have been like, Well, because everybody's been clamoring for the exactly, remaster. I would have said, you know what? I'm not that interested in a, a new Spyro IP. I want a remake of the original trilogy. And that's something that I, as a consumer, see more value in. Yeah. And I think that, obviously, there's a market for that. I think a lot of people agree with me. And that's why we're getting remakes instead of reimaginations, yep. for example. And I think it, and it's honestly, it is interesting, though, just a smaller, slight tangent that we could take this on, that it's interesting what games are chosen for that and ones that aren't. For example, uh, take Tomb Raider. You know, the original games for that, they ha- they've they made, like, HD versions so you could play them on a current console, but they haven't done any remakes or reimagining instead, or remakes for those. Instead, they went and did reboot, straight-up reboot, with, you know, the Crystal Dynamics one. Which are that, more like prequels, if anything. Right. And so it's interesting that they chose, that, you know, with Spyro, they take, I mean, granted, it's a platformer, I mean, well, I guess that really doesn't have any effect on it, really. But it's interesting that with these, with Spyro, they chose, let's go remake route. And then where other series like Tomb Raider, they're like, no, let's just, let's, let's reboot this sucker. Let's start this up. And I do, I mean, I mean, you could say that reboot and reimagination are more or less kind of the same thing. Yeah, Yeah, I think that I would equate those two words, at least in my own reasoning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, obviously the Tomb Raider reboot did extremely it's a well. Great game. It's a great game. That's a killer game. I'm excited for game. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I am too. And my mom is freaking out. She's like, like "Yes, Tomb Raider." <laughs> so I it's good to play Rise. Ooh, I, you know, I actually haven't finished Rise. Hmm. I should be ashamed. We should we should try to play it before Shadow yeah, comes out. Yeah, we should both be ashamed. Uh, but anyways, so another thing that I kind of want to briefly mention. Do we still have time? I think so. We've little got a little time. time. We talked for so long before so we started. So it's very recording. much related to the topic as well, is that I have been, I finally got unstuck in Samus Returns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Nintendo 3DS, which in my case is a 2DS because 3D is stupid. I hate it. And Nintendo should realize that the same way that 3D TV is stupid. It's That's a stupid it idea died. and you should stop it. So, it died already. It's done. Exactly. So uh, I have been finally making significantly more progress in Samus Returns, which is a remake of an old Metroid game. Metroid 2? I could be wrong. I did not play the original Metroid games. That is worth saying right off the bat. Yeah. So the super original Metroids, Metroids 1 and 2, I did not play those. So in my case, Samus Returns, which is a remake of, I think, Metroid 2. That's going to bother me. Let's do some fact-checking. Yeah, that's going to bother me if I don't look it up. I knew it at one point, but, you know, my old brain. Who can say? 
Who can... Oh, and I'm just typing in emojis. Samus Returns. Oh, I had to type in Samus Returns area hint four. (laughs) 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 I'm a sad panda. All right, so Samus Returns is, first of all, 9 out of 10 from Polygon. Oh, there you go. 8.5 out of 10 from IGN. Mm. 85% on Metacritic. Obviously, it's a fan. No, not the Nintendo people like version. It. It's a people pretty much love it. Safe uh, to say. It is. Yes. Okay. Thank God I was right. It's a re. Oh, they even use the term. They even use the term. It's a reimagining of the 1991 huh. Game Boy Metroid 2 Return of nice. Samus. So Samus Returns is basically Metroid 2 rebooted for the new age. And the more I play of it, the more I love it. Uh, there's nothing really... I'm honestly not sure why I like it so much. It's not big on story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Metroid Prime series was really good on GameCube, was really good about adding all of these layers of story via the availability of lore. So, for example, you could go to an area and find these uh, basically scannable items called lore, and they would give you insight into the Kozo people, into the pirates. I will not say Chozo. That's stupid. It's the Kozo. So you could get insight into the Kozo. You could get insight into the, uh, I guess, humans and what their uh, operations were like on different planets. You could get insight into what the pirates' version was. And that added a ton of backstory in a very peripheral uh, manner to what the Metroid Prime series was trying to tell you. Samus Returns does absolutely none of that. It has, like, no story. Mm -hmm. You're just, like, going to this planet. I literally can't remember why. Like, I don't remember what the beginning of the game told me because I was stuck for so long and I gave up. And then I was Mm -hmm. like... I'm not playing this game anymore. I like rage quit. I really did. Yeah. Uh, and I was I've been like, there. yeah, but I finally picked it back up at the urging of bro Mogan naturally. And he was like, you're a loser. You casual, you won't finish your games. And I was like, fine, I'll finish it. Watch me, bro. So uh, I took it back up and I am so glad that I did because in terms of, and this is really, um, endemic to the era so to the 19 the early 1990s mm-hmm. obviously there weren't any games yeah. that were big on story they were all about mechanical gameplay and what samus returns does i think in actually flawless fashion is it updated the gameplay to be I can't think of anything that I would do differently. The gameplay is so smooth. It is so fast. It is so engaging and active. I can't... Bear with me. I kind of want want to say it's the perfect handheld. Oh, my. I think it... Those are big words. I think it might be the perfect handheld game. Uh, And I actually mean that. Like, I'm not just spitballing here. Yeah. I kind of think it's the perfect handheld game. Hmm. Uh, at least, not, you know, not including mobile games, of course. I'm talking like handheld, PS Vita, Nintendo 3DS, right, and any right. of the iterations along those lines. I think it's the perfect game. And I kind of don't know why. Uh, I'm going to need a full report. Yeah, you're going to need a full report. <laughs> I'm not done yet. I think it's just that with the modern reimagining of the game, they made so many good quality of life changes that it makes it extremely accessible to the modern gamer. Hmm. There is no one, I think, that could look at Samus Returns and go, this is unplayable, it's too outdated, uh, this just isn't 
valid in the current modern gaming scene. Yeah. It's absolutely valid, huh. which is saying something. They updated the graphics, of course. They updated the sound quality. They kept a lot of the Metroid Prime sounds, which is nice. like super great for people like me. Uh, but in addition to that, they really just polished up the gameplay to next level amazing. This is the kind of game where even I, who really am kind of a filthy casual, like I definitely don't want to play on hard mode, but even I feel the motivation and the pull to get through the hard areas, get through the bosses I die 50 times to, and power through like I feel that drive. So you're saying this game was on a little console called the PlayStation. This game was on Game Boy. Would you... Platinum it. Would I platinum Samus Returns? If that was an option. If Nintendo would get their head out of their asses and give us trophies or achievements, something. See, the thing is, I don't really know even what a platinum trophy would look like for a game like Samus Returns. Well, just just live with the live with the live in the fantasy. Live in the fantasy. I might. Because of, of just saying of how much you're wanting to like completing. Of, yeah, it. of how much I am now wanting to complete it. And again, I'm actually stuck. So here's the thing, people. At one point, there is this particular boss that's like a giant robot in the background that chases you through these side-scrolling areas with its giant death robot arm of doom. Hmm. If you touch the arm, you die, and it's really, really fast. Uh, he comes back, spoiler alert, in about the second two-thirds of the game, it. right? And he's just as hard to beat. And I'm stuck again on the same freaking boss. And I'm so mad that I'm like, you know what? You bastard. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat oh, it, Jared. It's that, it's that I actually, I now. didn't even quit. I just closed the DS, which of course saved your progress. And I just closed it. And I was like, I'm going to come back to that tomorrow. Because uh, I, I, I think I took, I tried it at least three times. And I kept dying, and I was like, you know Just what? Three? Just three. Well, because this is a really long boss battle, oh, okay. and there are parts of it built in where you can essentially regenerate your health, so it could be a very long and drawn-out battle if you were playing your cards right. Got it. I was not, hence the dying. Oh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to try. I'm going to keep trying to finish the game for reasons I can't really put my finger on. I don't just having really, that much fun with it. I don't really know why it is such a good game. It just is. And I feel like that's the beauty of it. And I feel like that's what makes a perfect remake. Is it's such a good game that you can't put it down. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe the original Metroid 2 Return of Samus was that good. But at the very least, Samus Returns absolutely is. And I think that speaks to the validity of remakes in the modern era. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. If you would finally give up on the PlayStation Vita, uh, you could join me. I mean, I haven't played it that much In lately. the Nintendo land. So that was the one thing I was going to mention, was that, um, so talking about that, it's one of the interesting thing about like how these remakes or the reimagining stuff, like, so I played the new Ratchet and Clank. Loved it. Oh, right. Great game. Great yeah, game. Yeah, it, it is a really um, good game. And then because of that, I was like, man, I want to kind of go back and play the old ones. So I bought the collection, the HD collection that oh. they had on the PSN. And I started and I, and it's a dual, it was a, like a dual purchase thing. You bought it on there. You could play it on the PS3 or the PS Vita. Oh, okay. And so I was playing it on the Vita on a road trip. And I was like, 
I don't like this because it was so, so the first one was so similar to Ratchet and Clank, but, but Ratchet and Clank was obviously the new, the PS4 version was so much better. So I want to, I, I might go back and play one of the other ones, the second, third, whatever games in the series to see, but like first I'm like, nah, I'm going to skip it. And you know what? Back. That's absolutely, you're right. Yeah. I mean, as a consumer, you can be like, you know what? I don't have the time. I don't want to no. dedicate the hours to this. Yeah. So, I think we're in agreement then that we're okay. We're like we we like the idea of remaking and remastering games. Um, you know, there are obviously ones. I think it it, it probably just depends on per, like obviously Shadow of Colossus. I felt no, I felt nothing for. Like I just didn't, I hadn't played just it, so it wasn't inside. a big thing. So I'm sure it's for it's it's kind of a person by person basis. Some people are going to be really happy when the remasters are announced. Other people are going to be like, what the hell? Can't we get just get a new thing? But I think overall, for the impact that they have on introducing these games to a new audience, keeping re uh, reinvigorating the the property for either a continuation or the old fans. I think it, it, there's the great benefit for that. And then like we talked about earlier, the preservation of these older games, I think lends itself very well to continuing to keep these great pieces of art alive. So, or what were you going to say? Uh, well, it's kind of more of like just a burn. Oh. So, and a question. Okay. So my question is, did they technically ever remaster or remake Uncharted? Remastered. So the remaster, they just updated yes. everything for the PS4 collection, right? Yeah, so because they just, because they, I mean, they might have like had like changed some button mapping and stuff like that. But my understanding is it's just a straight remaster. So what I'm hearing from you then is that uh, I played the remastered Uncharted and uh, and it was trash. It was literal trash. I mean, that's what I've heard you say and about Uncharted And I did before. in fact also replay approximately one eighth uh, of the remastered Uncharted 2. I still haven't made it to Uncharted 2. And yet. it was my mo- just my as horrible. So, you know, some garbage fires just can't be uh, polished up for the new age. That, But again, Burn! that's open to interpretation for everybody. <laughs> you who know, plays it's really not. Game. It's just factual data. <laughs> uh, so, here's a quick question to kind of wrap this topic up. If you could choose for somebody to remake. I already know what I'm going to say. Okay. For to, so I'll go ahead question. and ask a question. Finish your question. If you had the option to go to any developer and say, hey, XYZ developer, I want you to remake this game for me or remaster, what, however you want to call it, bring it into the current age, what game would it be? I'll give you one guess to guess what mine is. Oh, Legend of Dragoon. The Legend of Dragoon! <laughs> of course it would be! That makes sense. I I'm, and Bro Mogan are about the only two people in North America clamoring for a Legend of Dragoon remake. Please. Please, Square. Just make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. We're begging you. Very nice. Mine, I think I was thinking about it while we were recording. Uh, I think it would honestly have to be Dark Forces. Really? Dark Forces? Yep. I thought for sure you would have said Red Dead. I mean, I guess you are now, getting a new Red, Red Dead. Like, we're getting a new Red Dead. Red Dead's a new enough game. I could, I even have in the last, within the last year, actually fired it up on my PS3 and just messed around in it because when all the Red Dead 2 news was coming out, I was like, ah, I gotta just get a fix real quick. But, but like, of like an old classic game that I have the same nostalgic feelings that you do for Spyro, it's Dark Forces hands down. That's that's so interesting. So I what is it about Dark game. Forces that you really want to see? What would you want to see brought into the modern era from that game? Well, really, what what holds the nostalgic 
feelings for me with that game is the fact that it's the one that like really got me into first person shooters. It was the very first one I I had played. Obviously it's Star Wars, so that kicks it up like 10 bajillion notches in my book. Uh, the levels were great and introduced you to the great, uh, great character of Kyle Katarn. And then he was present in later games, uh, which are actually some of the games that are getting, I believe, port that are getting the uh, Xbox One X upgrades. Oh, that's nice. So, um, and everything. I think it's Jedi Academy and maybe Dark Force. Jedi Academy. A two or something that like that. sounds like an anime about people going to school. <laughs> I have that actually on my Mac, and I just have it. And I played through it once. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but no, Dark Forces just had such a great story, great villains, great maps, great locations. Uh, and it's just one that I feel, I mean, the game came out in 95, 96, like it's that old. That is pretty old. That's almost as old as Samus Returns. And you can buy it again. You can buy it on the PSN, but it's just the old game and man, it is janky to try to control. And so it's just one that I would love, man, if I could have dark forces with battlefront two style graphics and in interaction stuff like that not necessarily all the hullabaloo that went on with that came with battlefront 2 but if i could get the story of dark of dark forces and just have it everything be you know see this is one i don't know if i would want a remake or remaster no i would definitely want a remake i would want a remake because i would want pretty shiny pristine graphics but, the but same i wouldn't game. want the same uh, but i want the same game okay okay that's see that's the distinction yeah. is it the same game or is it the same game but different? Right. No. Same. It's like that. It's like that gift from uh, what is it? Or that part from? Did you ever watch? Oh, crap. It's the James Franco and Seth Rogen movie that almost got like Pineapple take, Express. No, the one that oh, got taken the one out about of North Korea. Yeah. I don't know what it's actually called, and no, I did not see it because I saw, I'm a decent American. <laughs> I saw it. It was pretty funny. But it, there's this part where James Franco, like, he's trying to like be friends with the North Korean people. He's like, same. But different. <laughs> so that's what popped in my head when we were talking about that. But no, so yeah, hands down, Dark Forces. If I could get Dark Forces to look like, but to play Dark Forces where it looks just like what graphically, like what Battlefront 2 is right now, oh my God. And you know, actually, this is such an interesting topic to me. What's your runner up? So if Ooh. it weren't Dark Forces, what's your runner up? It's not Dark Forces. Yeah, you got to think about it. Right? I do got to think about it because I mean, I'm trying to think like question. how far back and I want to go. You slash think, you talk about yours. While you think, I really do absolutely want all the listeners. Please tell us what yours are. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this is a topic that is really like near and dear to my nostalgic gamer heart. I totally, man, we're hitting it out of the park with these nostalgic uh, yeah, topics. Yeah, we really are. With, like uh, with educational games. And again, last just week, thanks to Ark for like suggesting oh, this because yeah, it really topic. has brought up a lot of fun stuff for us to think about. You know, my runner up. This is going to sound crazy because it's actually a series that we have almost never talked about on this show. Okay. Which is why I'm making the argument that it deserves a hard remake is the old Time Splitters series. Do you remember Time Splitters? Describe it. Dude, I don't even know where to start. So for starters, <laughs> quickly describe so it. So <laughs> for starters, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Time Splitters was never a game that we owned. It was one that we rented. And I kind of think it was for GameCube. Oh yeah. Like it was old AF. Like, okay, time. I know that at least I've played Time Splitters 2. Time Splitters 2, there we go. 
And it was for, it was for gay, oh no, it was for PlayStation. Lies, lies and slander. It has a 90 on Metacritic. It's okay, such a good game. game. So I believe that I rented at one point Time Splitters 2 for the PlayStation 2. This would have been the era that the game came out. I don't remember what exactly happened in the game. I remember virtually nothing about it, mm -hmm. except that I really enjoyed it. And that's the thing that I think I would gain a lot of value out of from a remake, is that it would reintroduce me to a series that had been largely forgotten yeah. by my brain because I didn't really have the ability to get my hands super on it because I think we rented it. I think we rented it from like Blockbuster. Can't do that Or anymore. maybe the library. I don't know where I got my hands on it. I also don't know why. Yeah. I just know at some point we had Time Splitters 2 and I was like, this game is amazing. And for that exact reason, because I have so little to go off of, I'm making the argument Time Splitters deserves a remake. Okay. Just because I'm racking my brain and honestly can't think, my runner-up would either be, I think the, the quickest game that comes to mind is probably actually Donkey Kong Country. Oh! Okay, that's a good one. That's a good uh, one. I mean, to I know pick. we're just about to get Tropical Freeze, which is a re a port, really, I guess, of the Wii U game uh, to Switch, which I'm very excited about, and gonna have a plane ride that day when that game comes out. So might be convenient digitally and all that stuff. Get played on that plane, but uh, probably Donkey Kong Country. Same reason, like it was just a game that I played a ton as a kid. The second one that I was like, I nudged out with Donkey Kong Country in my head was. And it doesn't really count because it the series is still going on, and each iteration, I guess you could say, is just a building on and and re and re uh, and an upgrading of the game before. Uh, but Civilization Two. Oh, really? Two? What? What about Two? Makes it stand. Two was out the in first one I played. Oh, okay. Um, and same kind of thing. It it's the one that like if you asked me to, uh, like. Explain, it, it explain why or, or it's it was it's so funny because it's like it's the most basic of the ones that I've played. Like the characters, there was well, no. We're always the, saying the Jared, icons. Hashtag basic. The icons of the units and stuff just slid across this map. You know, there was no, when they would battle, they would just like knock into each other and you'd like hear noises <laughs> and stuff. But the thing I, I remember the most about it, other than just introducing it to me, which I really should have talked about Civilization in our educational games topic last week. because God, you that should one have. What a missed opportunity, It really bro. was. Because uh, that game like ignited and kept my love of history alive all through like school and, every, and, and since. Why aren't um, you a history professor? I really don't know. That's didn't the pay question. That's the question. Oh, okay. That's actually, that's a really good answer. I actually answer. got a book once uh, that was like, Careers for history, maybe something like that. Oh and I was like, no, and it was probably all history professor, wasn't yeah, it? Or like oh, archaeologist. Like, unfortunate. But anyway, uh, so but because that one, that's the one that if you were like, I could still hum whistle the soundtrack to. Uh, I loved its advisor screen because similar to how I was talking about screen. with the uh, with uh, Oregon Trail and the full motion video where it's the real people. That's how they had the advisors oh, in this one, nice. and it was so fun. Like. Just the, the animations and like as the age progressed and like all the different things. Like I remember the one guy who's like your military advisor. He was this like loud, boisterous guy and like you know in the ancient era he's wearing like a toga. But then like but then if things go well, like if you're winning wars, you go to check him and he's like he's drunk. He's like everything's great, sire. It's a wonderful <laughs> time in our kingdom. And you're just like, my lord Jared has that's returned. That's when my lord Jared my was lord born. Jared was born. But uh, but no, it's like you know the t uh, the soundtrack from it, everything that that would probably be, but I. Uh, kind of knocks it out because it's like it's 
it's still going. Civilization Six is still, right. you know, so it's like. <sighs> so really, that's a series very similar to The Legend of Zelda, which does have modern equivalents. Right. So I think that's really kind of where I might draw the line in the sand between remake version versus reimagining. Is that a remake kind of takes up where an old series left off and or died. Yeah. So with Spyro, for example, the original trilogy was the good, and that's air quotes, good part of the game. Everything that came after it, literal garbage. Right. So that's why it needs a remake, because there was no true successor. There was no true continuation of that series. Whereas you may be able to argue with Lee Civilization, they're continuing to make quality games. Oh, yeah. They're continuing to make good games. Civilization with, 4 is regarded as one of the yeah, best. Yeah. With games Spyro, ever. for example, that really didn't happen. And I think that's why it can benefit so much from a hard remake as opposed to a reimagining. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, I feel like we've probably talked this topic to death. I mean, we uh, tried. We tried. We did our <laughs> we did our damnedest. We tried, Ark. Uh, but uh, so anyway, hopefully, Ark, we answered all your questions. And obviously, like we said, let us know what some of your favorite remake remasters are. Your opinion on those, and what game you would like to see remade or remastered. So send us those through email, Facebook, social media, all that stuff. You know the drill. But anyway, before we go, though, we do have to do this week's soundtrack spotlight. <laughs> You got one? Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we can pause on um, No, we don't need to pause. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. okay. Tell so me all about it. I am going to use this rare opportunity to highlight a series that I definitely haven't made enough progress in, but that I love the soundtrack from so much that I'm not sorry to bring it up again. Okay. It is... Persona 5. Oh, yeah. And actually, one of the reasons I thought of it was because I was talking to Bro Mogan just the other day, and he was like, Rachel, I cannot get the opening theme song to Persona 5 out of my head, and he hasn't even played the game. Oh, really? He, he just listened to it? He watched me play. Yeah, he was listening to it at work. So he was listening to, this, uh, to the soundtrack at his job. He hasn't even played the game, and the soundtrack is still so good that he was like, God nice. damn it, this is a good series. So I am going to do Persona 5, Rivers in the Desert. Now, we've already talked about Persona 5 in depth in one of our more recent soundtrack episodes, so I'm going to let the track speak for itself. There we go. Who composed it? Somebody you don't know, because okay. he's Just Japanese. Just want to give credit where credit's due. I, I <laughs> so might this know who would it be, is. This would be, let's see here. If I'm not mistaken, it is Shoji Maguro. Shoji My apologies Maguro. for the... Terrible pronunciation. <laughs> but there we go. So per- the song is from Persona 5. What is it one more time? Shoji Maguro, no, 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 Rivers song. in the Desert. There we go. Rivers in the Desert from Persona 5 is your soundtrack spotlight for this week. So listen to that after the close of the episode, which is pretty much right now. But this concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Peace out. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song. Mm-hmm.